Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is Sharp Money here on VSIN, live at the South Point as we always are. I'm Jeff Barles. Dustin Sweetelson's here. Amal Shaw's here. And now with us, he hosts VSIN tonight. He's a key cog to all of our written contact, content as well. One of, one of the originals here at VEASAN. Our guy, Matt Humans with us right now. Matt, I hear it's a big week for you as well. Uh, there may, may or may not be rankings coming this week as well from you. What's that, college football rankings? Uh, yeah, I've col- got those in the VEASAN. Yeah, I've got those in the VEASAN uh, college football guy. My top 25 teams. By the way, is this the only show on VEASAN where the producer gets top billing? What did you say? Dustin Sweetelson is here? Is that the first thing you said? No, that wasn't the first thing I said. Probably was. Oh, okay. You're probably right, Matt. I mean, I, yes, you are. You are probably right. <laughs> hey, look, you got to give the big guy credit, Matt. Uh, that's for sure. But of course, our college football betting guide coming out later this uh-huh. week, Matt. Uh, let, let's just let's just dive right in. Uh, let's go to some of your favorites before we go through some conferences here. Let's start in the Big Ten. It is a new era in Madison, Wisconsin. Of course, it is not going to be the ground and pound anymore. Luke Fickle mm-hmm. in what was a surprise to some went over from Cincinnati to Wisconsin here. They have a win total of eight and a half. Phil Longo comes in to be the new OC. They still have great running back in Braylon Allen, but Matt, this looks to be a whole new world for Wisconsin's offense in 2023. Well, it could be, but a new world should be an improved world too, because I think, uh, even if you weren't a Wisconsin fan, you get tired of watching this offense the last couple of years with Graham Mertz, a quarterback, and uh, Paul Chris calling the shots. It was it was a an effective offense to an extent, but it was kind of boring. I, th- I think the Badgers going to open things up a little bit to the point where the pass is actually going to be a threat. Now with uh, Tanner Mordecai and uh, the field spread a little bit with uh, some playmakers, a wide receiver, but you got Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi, two of the best running backs in the Big Ten. And one of the best offensive lines, as usual. So I don't think the Badgers are going to change dramatically. I just think the pass is going to be more of a threat in this offense. And it should be a much improved offense with Mordecai quarterback and a little bit of more imagination, let's put it that way. So I, I, I'm counting on Luke Fickle to build one of the Big Ten's better defenses here. And he's essentially got 18 starters back from last season. He's got a pretty good schedule with Iowa and Ohio State at home. A couple of road spots could be a little tricky. But I, I like Wisconsin a lot here. I think the Badgers should win the Big Ten West, and I like them over eight and a half wins. In that division of the Big Ten, there's really no standout teams this year. I think uh, Wisconsin should be the best of them all. Iowa's going to be tough as usual, but I, I like whiskey over eight and a half, and I also uh, think they should win the West. Matt, I love your call on Wisconsin over eight and a half. Just to stay on this for a second, tell me where there's four potential losses on this schedule. You mentioned with Luke Fickle on this defense. I think Braylon Allen, look, I think Blake Corman Edwards have the best running back room in, in college football, but I think Braylon mm-hmm. Allen's the best running back in the Big Ten, in my opinion. 
Uh, this team's going to be really dangerous. I don't think the Hawkeyes at home, they could beat Ohio State at home potentially. Indiana's down. Northwestern's going to be bad. I mean, we know the uh, the game against Minnesota is always competitive, but I just don't see this team getting tripped up four times this year. I think this is one of the best over bets of the season. Yeah, it was actually the first over bet I made. them all was over eight and a half on whiskey because I looked at the road schedule. First of all, you've also got Washington State and Purdue on there, but I even if the Badgers get tripped up once, I still don't see how this team's going to go eight and four with uh, with this schedule, and counting on Fickle and what he brings as a coach because uh, things did get a little stale, stagnant with Wisconsin's program in the last couple of years, and Fickle's going to change that. And uh, like you said, Tanner, Tanner Mordecai coming over at quarterback can only help the situation. Graham Mertz was an underachiever, a former five star quarterback, and Braylon Allen's a stud, so. I, I do. This is one. This is one of my, if not my favorite, win totals was uh, whiskey over eight and a half. Yeah, J- Jeff. Matt knows that Wisconsin's had a quarterback for one year with Russell Wilson, and that's it. Otherwise, last thirty years they've just done it with running backs. <laughs> that's right. So how it's been? How it's been up in Madison, uh, yeah. Matt? Matt uh, let, let's go to another one of your overs. Another team that wears red. That's the Louisville Cardinals. Matt, it is very rare that you get an absurd improvement at head coach like Louisville. Has they bring Brahm in after Satterfield shockingly got the Cincinnati job? Boy, what a disaster for the Bearcats yeah, that's yeah. going to end up being. Very manageable schedule, too, with an improvement of head coach and a win total of eight. Uh, you said it. I don't like the Satterfield hire at Cincinnati. And I actually like the Bearcats under, but I'm going to go Louisville over here because if you look at the schedule, I wouldn't be, I would not be surprised if Jeff Brom gets Louisville into the uh, ACC championship game. You don't have Clemson. You don't have North Carolina. You don't have Miami. I think uh, those are three. There might not not my Clemson, Miami, and there's one other uh, big boy from the ACC missing from that schedule. It's uh, uh, Florida State. Is that it? I think so. Yeah. So very manageable schedule for uh, Jeff Brom. It's a, it's kind of a I don't want to say it's a similar situation to what he took over at Purdue, because that Purdue program was bottom of the barrel, rock bottom when Jeff Brom came in, and boom, right away, he wins seven games, wins a bowl game. That was one of the best coaching jobs in the country I've seen in the last 10 years, how quickly he turned that around. Jeff Brom is a very innovative offensive coach, and he's got Jack Plummer, a former Purdue quarterback who spent last year at Cal as his QB, and he's got plenty of skill position talent. He sits transfer. Uh, transfer portal, like a lot of these coaches do when they come in and try to turn things around right away. Seven starters back on defense. But the schedule is the key when I look at it in terms of uh, Louisville's win total. It's not, you know, it's never easy to bet over a win total of uh, eight. But again, it's uh, very similar to Wisconsin. You're looking at road games, NC State, Pittsburgh, Miami, uh, a neutral site game against Indiana. This one, uh, Jeff Brom looks like he tailor-made the schedule for the Cardinals in his first year. And, again, he's not taking over a, a destitute program like he was when he went to West Lafayette seven years ago. Brom's taking over a team that won, you know, went eight and five, including that bowl game last year. And uh, he's got a pretty good coaching staff he hired, too. He's going back home. You know, he's going to be – you're going to get the best of Jeff Brom this year because there's a lot of hype in Louisville by his return. He's going to be fully focused to get this uh, thing turned around quickly. I like Louisville a lot. I think it's a sleeper team to be in the ACC championship game. I'm not saying they're going to win the ACC, but just get the championship game like you did with Purdue last year to the Big Ten title game. So watch out for the Louisville Cardinals. Jeff Brom's going to uh, engineer a quick turnaround. Yeah, you talk about winning the coaching transition between Scott Satterfield leaving and uh, Jeff Brom coming in. I agree with you completely on that one, Matt. Now, let's go to the Pac-12. I think this is a very intriguing league. I think probably when you look at the Power Five, in my opinion, most leagues probably have two or three teams. I think the Pac-12, you can make a case for potentially four to five teams that could be, could win this league. Oh, you're right about that because I was talking about this with Michael Lombardi on his show, too. And If you look at the top four in the Pac-12, elite quarterbacks and high-level teams, USC, Caleb Williams, pretty obvious, Michael Penix in Washington, Bo Nix in Oregon, and Cameron Rising at Utah. You have four of the nation's top quarterbacks right there. Bo Nix realized last year what a drop-off it was from facing SEC defenses to facing Pac-12 defenses. You saw how much his numbers improved uh, with the Ducks. But those four teams, I would say, you know, three of them are legit contenders. Uh, 
for a college playoff spot. I, I think the concern here is Pac-12 teams at the top are going to cannibalize each other, and I'm not sure if uh, one's going to emerge and make the playoffs. Uh, but I like USC a lot. I mean, if Lincoln Riley can't get to the playoff this year with Caleb Williams and all the talent he's run in from the portal, when's he going to make it? Michael Penix was number two in the nation in passing yards at Washington last year, and Caleb DeBoer, Caleb DeBoer took over an offense that averaged 21.5 points a game and jacked it up to 39 points a game, and Penix has got its top two receivers back. Oregon's legit. Utah's made back-to-back Rose Bowls. And even when you get to teams like Oregon State and Washington State, those are pretty damn good teams. The top half of the Pac-12 is really, really good. Unfortunately, the conference in the big picture is falling apart, but I think uh, this conference is going to go out with a bang. And even at the bottom, and near the bottom, you've got teams like Arizona State uh, with Kenny Dillingham, the 33-year-old coach, who's got good quarterbacks to work with. He's going to be he's going to prove to be a really good coach at Arizona State. Jed Fish doing a nice job at Arizona. I don't think there's any terrible teams aside from Stanford rebuilding at the bottom. I don't think there's any really, really bad teams this year in the Pac-12. Let's uh, go to the Big 12 real quick because one of your favorite Uh win totals is an under in the Big 12, and that's the Pokes of Oklahoma State. I mean, look, they had all sorts of quarterback issues last year because of injuries, uh, but uh, why do you like the Pokes under six and a half? Yeah, like you said, I, I don't really like the Pokes at all. I think this is going to be one of Mike Gundy's worst teams, and he's got a track record. I think he's been to 17 straight bowl games. Well, he could get to a bowl this year, but he would be 6-6 six and six if he gets there. One of the biggest losers in the country in the transfer portal was Mike Gundy. He lost a ton of talent. He's counting on Alan Bowman, a former Texas Tech and uh, Michigan quarterback. The kid couldn't find the field in Ann Arbor. That's going to be his quarterback, but just a ton of talent lost and some star players that hit the portal after last season. The schedule's not easy. I think Oklahoma State's going to be a big disappointment. Uh, six and six, I think, would be a good good uh, finish for Gundy this year. So under six and a half is a really good bet for a team that, when I break it down, I, I don't see how the Cowboys get to seven wins. I tend to agree with you. I think they take a big step back. Uh, Spencer Sanders could be the starter in Oxford ahead of Jackson yeah, Dart. Yeah. So something to pay attention to. You know, Mike, you, I mean, sorry, Mike, uh, I was talking about Gundy, but Mike Gundy has done a tremendous job, Matt, in terms of at Oklahoma State. You're right. I mean, people don't realize outside of his first year there, he's made a bowl game every year. It's going to be tough to yeah, duplicate yeah. that. Uh, it's going to be tough for him to keep that streak going this year. It's going to be the most challenging year. Like, he's done a great job holding it together and stringing together a bunch of winning seasons and bowl appearances. But, man, I, I break down this team on paper. I just don't see the talent there. So, Gundy's going to be a magician. If he can win seven games, I'm going to bet against him this time. He's Matt Humans, of course. You see him on VEASAN tonight with Wes Reynolds. You can find a lot of Matt's write-ups in the College Football Betting Guide coming up later this week. Matt, always a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with us today. All right, you bet, Jeff. Thanks. We come back, a little bit of NFL, a little bit of baseball as we keep it rolling on Sharp Money. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? Drive too fast and you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing? Because one way or another, speeding catches up with you. Paid for by NHTSA. Welcome back in. Sharp Money's the show. I'm Jeff Parles. Mall shot. Dustin Swedelson alongside. So we've, we've been putting this off for a few segments. Uh, we'll have Jensen Lewis a little later in the show as well. But some baseball real quick here. So, how do you guys feel about your Blake Snell tickets right now, guys? How do you feel about that? Weird outing on uh, over the weekend against Texas. It got Padres won the game, but it was a very bizarre outing from him. Well, his ERA dropped. That is good. Still has the best ERA in the National League. Like, he plays with fire every start. I'm waiting for it to fall apart, and it keeps not doing it. So, I feel good about it in that regard. But at the same time... Maybe this is why the market isn't moving. I'd really like the market to adjust to the statistics that have occurred in the games, meaning Gallon should get a little bit longer so I could at least get that a little bit on there to, to lock in some sort of ROI. Uh, I feel good about where it's at now that he is second shot on the board or third shot on the board, depending on where you bet. But he is playing with fire every single start. I don't disagree with you there at all. And uh, the way Jeff phrased it, I thought something else happened that I missed. Hey, no earned runs. He had, yeah. like, he had a bunch of strikeouts. Yeah, he, he, I mean, the, the Texas had a zillion base runners and just couldn't capitalize. But that's what he does. Or that's he what he does. Or Blake Snell battled <laughs> and found a way to grind out those innings. Let's go. Spin zone. Let's nine, go. Nine strikeouts in five innings. It's nah, not like impressive. Not, it's not like he's just got the low ERA. This isn't Bryce Elder over here. This isn't Justin Steele. This this guy's punching a lot of dudes out. <laughs> uh, trade deadline coming up, of course. Uh, Amal, I, I'll just ask you this because I know you've you've you were leading the parade of Otani's got to get dealt if the Angels have any brain whatsoever. But the Angels right now, I mean, they, yesterday they after buying Giolito last week, they go out and make a trade with the Rockies. They buy C.J. Crone. They buy Randall Grishik. Two pieces that have been okay. Grichik's had a nice year. Grichik's had a good year. He's actually hidden for average. And Crone over his career has been one of the more solid power guys in the league. This is the second stint in Anaheim. Yes, Crone, I believe he was right? originally drafted by them. Yeah, yeah. so it is, it is very interesting to see the Angels, who right now are in the mix still. They're four games out. I mean, you could argue they've, they've bought as much as anyone over the last week plus with the deadline coming tomorrow. No, they really have, which is surprising. But none of the pieces really move you in terms of excitement, like C.J. Crone, Randall Grichik, uh, Lucas Giolito. These aren't guys you're sitting there going, oh, I'm so excited that this team's improved drastically. I like the moves, but um, offense isn't the issue. No, I don't it's pitching. It's need, always been pitching. Need more arms yeah. in the pen and especially in the rotation. And also, with the deadline where it is, we still have a few months of the season, regular season left to go. You probably need extra starting pitching arms if you're a team like the Angels that has so few options at the moment that you can really rely on, on the front end side of things. You probably need a couple extra arms in case there's an injury to someone. You know, it's it's just one of those. We, there's always a surprise buyer at the deadline. 
And the Angels have so far been at the Padres haven't sold anyone off yet, even though a weekend sweep over the Rangers are going to fool them into into being in a race. And also the Cubs. We thought the Cubs were this automatic seller, and the Cubs have gotten hot and are within three and a half games now in a wild card race. Yeah, I mean, look, the Padres are five games back. I don't know if they're going to end up being sellers here. I doubt it. They have an opportunity. Because when you look at Milwaukee and Miami, teams in front of them, offense is anemic. Arizona's really been in a tailspin, 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. Uh, Padres still are very, very capable. Look, the odds, odds makers believe it. When you look at the pennant odds, the Padres are still a team that if they get in, they've got uh, three games against the Rockies coming up right now in Colorado. They've got three against, four against the Dodgers coming up at home. Now, this is a team that's really struggled against the Dodgers. But overall, you've got six head-to-head, or I'm sorry, seven against the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, the Brewers. I don't think they're going to make any moves. I think they're going to stand pat. They've got enough pieces, and the matchups are perfect. You're going to play head-to-head against teams that are in front of you. Well, Here's the thing, though. Blake Snell's in a contract here. So they'll get nothing for him if they don't deal him. That is my concern as someone who holds that ticket is that they're far enough out of it and they do have a lot of other good players and good arms on the team that they could still deal Snell and contend. I don't agree with that because I think Snell and Musgrove have been the best one-two combination in baseball for the last eight weeks. Musgrove's been good, yeah. Musgrove's been elite. No, no, Snell's been the elite one. Well, if you say Snell's elite, then nobody else is because I mean he's been the best pitcher in baseball. I I just think, I think for the sake of the future, they're really not going to contend. They're playing this game all year. Amal, you said, you know, the Padres are a team that could go on a run and do this, but we've literally said that on this show every single week of the season. But but here's the one kicker with it: you go to the, the NL wild card standings right now. Look at the teams in front of them. You're dealing with the Cubs, who, again, should be selling. The Diamondbacks and the Marlins have both been equally dreadful out of the break. You're going to trust the Reds to hold up the whole year? Probably not. And then the Phillies, who have been inconsistent with the Giants, who have kind of started to look like an average roster like they are. But I, I think the, the wild card standings are deceptive. It's not as simple as looking at, like, a division race where you have to overcome one team and those amounts of games that they're above you. You have to hop four teams, which is all of their schedules in mind. You have so much that has to go right right your way. Overcoming five games is probably like overcoming eight and a half in the division. See how it plays out for the Padres. Uh, The other big disappointment in the NL this year has been uh, our Mets, Dustin, and they have been been selling. Uh, David Robertson in a trade for really just – mediocre young prospects, but the Marlins started all this very strange deal. And then Max Scherzer dealt for Ronald Acuna Jr.'s younger brother, Luis Angel Acuna, who's probably going to end up being the Mets number one prospect uh, right away. So here's Billy Epler, the GM of the Mets. Verlander could be on the move as well. Here's what Billy Epler had to say about what the Mets have done so far. You know, kind of given the the place we're in um, and the um, the odds we're facing, um, you know, it was a strategic decision, and um, you know, we kind of took this opportunity to uh, to kind of serve another goal of the organization, which is to uh, enhance the farm system. So, but I do want to be clear that it's not a uh, it's not a rebuild, um, it's not a fire sale, it's not a liquidation. Um, this is just a repurposing of uh, you know Steve's investment in the club. Um, and uh, kind of shifting that investment from the team into the organization. So, you know, with that, um, I'll take some questions. So, Dustin, you and I were talking about this off the air. The trade of Max Scherzer was a good move for the Mets. Had gets to be his, done. Gets his contract out of there for next year, opens up more money to be spent on on, on Otani, if that is the – if Otani's willing to listen – you get a big-time prospect as well. Like the Robertson trade was bad because they just didn't get enough back for him, and they traded him. He's in thirty-seven. The what do you but want they didn't back get from David Robertson? Man, they got two bad, bad. You prospects. don't know. They're still like seventeen years old. This is true. You, they you are young. You don't know. They are young. Uh, but I, I'm all, I'll ask you this because Verlander na- name is just going around in circles right now, potentially being moved. I would personally. Because the way Verlander's contract is, he's there next year. Mm-hmm. There is enough, even at being over 40 years old, there is enough there that Verlander can still be a top-of-the-line pitcher next year. So I would not damage your 2024 team unless if someone like a Baltimore comes along, a Tampa, these teams that are just usually unwilling to take on big deals, comes along and offers you a lot of their good prospects 
because they think Verlander's the missing piece. That would be the only way that I would even consider moving Verlander right now, even though this year seems to be shot. Yeah, I mean, do you believe he's going to be that effective with, what, 40, 41 years I old? I mean, he's been really he, good the last one. Honestly, month. he's proven – I did not think he was going to look as sharp. He's like, the issue for Verlander and moving him is that he has a, a player option for 25. That's the big And people big are issue. very scared if they're going to acquire him that they're they're not just getting him for the rest of this year or next year. They're also getting him in 2025 where you have to assume at that point it's going to start to fall apart. He will be cooked at that point. Yes. But if you win a ring in that time, it's justified. Well, that's why Baltimore and Tampa are in weird positions right now where they are, Baltimore especially, stacked with young talent. This is the beginning of the run. They need front-of-the-line starting pitching, though. I love what Tyler Wells has done this year, but let's be like uh, They sent him down. Uh, uh, no, when did that happen? Over the weekend? Yeah. See, this is what happens when I go on vacation for a few days. But regardless. I only know because I went to look up when he was starting next. And I saw they sent what, him because down. he had two bad starts. Yeah. Okay. That's ridiculous. But regardless, going back to double a, but you know, it's, it's strange in the way of what the rest of that roster looks like. Cause there are all these guys who aren't quite ready yet. Grayson Rodriguez's stuff is undeniable, but even though he's been better since he, being brought he, back yeah, up. Yeah, and he's been good of late, and you have to assume he's going to get better, but you still need that one guy at the front of the rotation that you can trust on come the postseason. And Verlander will give them that. But do they want to give up more of their top-of-the-line prospects that they think are going to be good? But a lot of those guys are already in the major leagues if you're Baltimore. It's It's complicated. It's complicated. And then for Tampa, Tampa just has all these guys hanging out in AAA and AA that are awesome. Well, and they just traded for Aaron Savali, by the way, for those just tuning in. Yeah. So, well, Savali's not Verlander. But Savali kind of surprised Cleveland. And if Tampa's trading for him, that means they have an idea of how to make him better. I would imagine Savali would be in the Cy Young race within the next two years. All right, George Bremer covers the Colts. He will join us next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today. New customers can bet $5 to get $150 in bonus instantly. Use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Welcome back in. It's Sharp Money. I'm Jeff Parles. I'm all shot. Dustin Sweetelson here as well. And now joining us, he covers the Indianapolis Colts for the Herald Bolden on a tweet at GM Bremer. It is George Bremer with us right now. George, how are you doing today? Doing well. Never dull around here. Uh, that That's for sure. And let's... Let's just go right into it. I, just this whole mess that's going on with with Jim Irsay's bizarro quote over the weekend and then all the drama with Jonathan Taylor's injury that was not an injury and everything that's going on. Just what, what do we even make of this at this point? It's a mess. It's a standoff right now with, with no clear resolution. I mean, you've got two sides that are pretty well dug in right now in their stances. You know, obviously, uh, Taylor wants – to be paid. He wants, he wants a promise beyond this season uh, before he goes out there. And the Colts have been pretty adamant so far uh, that they don't want to offer any kind of extension. So there's really no middle ground between those two stances. Uh, yeah, at some point, somebody's got to budge a little bit here and, and they can maybe come to the table and find a way to, to work this out. But uh, where it stands right now, it's, it's a ridiculous soap opera. Uh, and it feels like every day, you know, there's, there's another chapter in it. It just gets a little bit uglier. You mentioned it. When you look at what's going on inside and outside this team in the locker room, how are other players reacting to Jim Irsay's comments? Also, where obviously we know the value of the running back has been devalued a little bit, but overall, what's the stance? Because Jonathan Taylor has been outstanding for this team. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question he's the best offensive player on this team. Uh, you just go back to 2021 and, and the incredible numbers that he put up. Obviously, last year he had the injury, and I understand the team, you know, a little bit concerned by that. Uh, but you know, the, the the players themselves, I think it's easy this time of year to not really let distractions get to you. You know, you're not out there. There's not a game on Sunday. You're not getting booed by by fans. There's no adversity in training camp, right? You're just out there doing your work, and I, I think their mindset still right now is there. You know, they're just coming out every day, focusing on them. The younger running backs are, are getting more reps now. I mean, today, unfortunately, Zach Moss went down with a broken arm. He's going to be out four to six weeks. 
It adds another layer of intrigue to this situation. Uh, we got to talk to Deion Jackson and Evan Hall afterwards, and they basically said Taylor's around. He's still part of meetings. He's still helping out anybody he can, any way he can. He's been out there on the practice field. We've seen him out there in his hoodie, normally wherever the running backs are. I think their approach right now is just they've got to worry about their business. They're trying to make the team or, or earn a starting job or, or whatever role that they can get. But you figure the longer this goes on and as they get into games and as they do face adversity from outside the building, uh, it's going to become a, a bigger and bigger distraction, you know, the longer it, it remains, the longer it lingers. George, let's, uh, let's just look at the quarterback position real quick, even with everything that has gone on. Obviously, uh, you mentioned it earlier as well. Uh, with with in, Now, injuries on top of everything with Taylor, the running back position, but Team obviously goes with the QB, Anthony Richardson, picked in the top five of this year's draft. You got Gardner Minshew there, splitting reps over the weekend. I, do you think this is Richardson from the get-go here where he has been getting uh, first-team reps so far early in training camp? I think that's what they want to happen. You know, I think if, we, if we got everybody, all the decision-makers into a room and got them on a lie detector test, I think that's what they would say, the outcome that, that they would favor but I think they want to, you know, there's certain check marks he has to see. And a lot of those things are things that, that we aren't going to see from the outside. What's his knowledge of the offense? How comfortable is he with calling protections? You know, how much command does he have in the huddle? Those kind of things I think are ultimately going to determine this. But they feel really good about what they've seen so far. Uh, Ryan Kelly said the other day that even just from the spring when they did OTAs until this first week of training camp, his presence in the huddle has improved. You know, he, he's seen him take strides already just in this, you know, few weeks period there. So I think that's, that's something that, that's certainly pointing in the right direction with it. But they, the physical talent's obvious. Anybody who's watched him throw a football understands this kid's blessed, you know, with a number of gifts. Uh, I think the team has been really impressed so far with, with the mental side of things. His work ethic has been outstanding. He's picking up plays quickly. He's picking up the playbook quickly. The question now is, can he put it all together on the field, and can he do it in a way that they feel like isn't going to set him back? You obviously don't want to send him out there too soon, and he's overwhelmed, and it sets him back. But right now, he seems to be on track, and I think as long as it stays this way, the outcome they would prefer would be to see him out there week one. When you look at this team right now, just kind of give me a glimpse into how you see the season playing out for them. Is this the team that could surprise some people? Maybe they're middle of the pack last year. They're 4-12-1. Do they wind up with somewhere around a 5-12 and 12 type of season? What, what's your thought process for this team this year? I mean, I think everybody in the NFL this time of year is thinking that they can be that, that shocking team. You know, they can be the Jaguars and go worst to first and get in the playoffs and turn everything around. But realistically, I, I think this is an evaluation. And Jim Irsay, in that rambling conversation he had with us on Saturday night, one of the things he said was, they're still looking for the core guys, you know, in this group, and who's going to be the leaders to get this team back to where they want to be in contending for division titles, contending for playoff wins, and you know things they did uh, for years with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Uh, and I think a lot of this year is going to be about just trying to figure that out. There's only got a lot of young guys getting opportunities. Richardson's the most important. There's a, a host of cornerbacks right now who are stepping in and in our first time starters. You know, I think that's that when you look at that realistically, I think they're closer to a five or six win team than they are to a team that that's going to be shocking the league and, you know, contending for playoff spots. George, obviously when you have a first time head coach, it's more of an unknown and, and Shane Steichen, of course, is who I'm referring to here with the Colts. I just what, what do you think? from what you've seen so far early in training camp, what do you think the Colts are getting out of Steichen or getting into with Steichen as a head coach? Yeah, I think the, the term all ball has come up a lot with him. You know, he's, he's very much one of those gym rat type of guys, uh, just constantly in on the details. Everybody you talk to around the team right now has talked about how detail-oriented he is, you know, just from this, the practice schedule itself, how individual practices are set up. Uh, just a very intense guy. I think he's got a lot of, he brings a lot of energy to the room uh, that, that is probably good with this young group that they're trying to figure out who they are. Uh, and with him, everything's about competition. I think that's something that they really responded to really well. 
he just tried to find ways to kind of mix competition into to everything they do. You know, whether that's putting coaches out there with pads and seven on seven, so there's at least some semblance of, of a defensive line for the for the quarterbacks to look at. Uh, you know, or it's two minute drills and, and things like that. You know, having the defense do push ups. They did a little bit of that in OTAs. Whoever loses a certain drill does push ups. Players are responding to that and to the fact that they say he's holding everybody accountable. They say if if you mess up in practice and it's there on film, you're going to get called out in the room, uh, and they they want that. You know, they feel like that's what they need from their leaders. So so far so good. But he's in the same boat as Richardson or, or anybody else right now. They haven't lost a game yet, uh, so it's easy I think for everybody to be optimistic and, and feeling good about the way things are going so far. George, when you look at this division. Jacksonville looks like the prohibitive favorite, and probably rightfully so. Uh, tell me what your quick assessment on the Jags, uh, Tennessee, and then Houston is. Yeah, you know Jacksonville is is a clear front runner here. They, they won the division last year. They got the best quarterback in the division. Uh, they, they have everything set up to make another run there. Tennessee, I think, is an interesting spot because it's still kind of trying to figure out which way they're going. It felt like maybe they were going to sell some things off, and now they brought in DeAndre Hopkins. It looks like they're going for it. Another runaround with, with Ryan Tannehill. I think they're always going to be tough, a physical team with Mike Vrabel. And then Houston, I think, is a very similar situation to Indianapolis. First-year head coach, rookie quarterback, trying to set the foundation of what they're going to be, not so much in 2023, but in 2024, 2025, and beyond. George, right now, you mentioned it before, you probably lean towards the lower side of things here with this indie team. Win total is six and a half going into the season, which is the same as the Texans. Do you, do you think right now that's probably about the right number for the Colts at six and a half? Yeah, I think it's right in that area. You know, like I said, there's a lot of guys, first-year head coach, there's a lot of guys who are starting for the first time, and we've seen the history of this league says, you're going to take your lumps. You're going to learn the hard way, you know, before you, you just, you, you got to crawl before you learn to, to run. You know, to me, this is an interesting division. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. We'll see what happens. I'm sure George will be speaking to you shortly as the season progresses. I'm sure Jim Ursay and company will have some interesting things to say. No doubt about that. I don't know many things I can feel confident predicting, but that one is hundred <laughs> percent. dead Again, he's George Bremer to hair. Herald Bulletin, where you can find his work covering the Indianapolis Colts. George, thanks for hopping on with us today. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank Absolutely. You. Again, uh, GM Brenner on the tweets. When we come back, we're going to look at some futures bets, see if they have some life to them or not. We'll talk about them next. Sharp Money. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. You'll be looking live soon at the 2023 College Football Betting Guide. And that will be coming later this week because we're here to help, as always, here at VSIN. Our College Football Betting Guide features best bets from our writers, our analysts, our DraftKings personalities, along with previews of all 133 FBS teams. If you want the best, most comprehensive collection of picks, predictions, previews, and more, Now's the time to become a VSIN Pro subscriber. And the guide comes out Thursday. Act right now. VSIN.com slash subscribe. Take advantage of our great offers today. Welcome back in. Sharp Money's the show. I'm Jeff Parles of All Shaw Dustin Sweetelson here. I, I was just uh just going through uh, X or Twitter or whatever the heck it's called now. Ronald Jones suspended for the first two games of the NFL season, which is better a better question for you, Amal. Who is Ronald Jones on now? What team is he on? That's a great question. Used to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm just going to say Tampa because I don't even know where he's at now. Dustin, you want to offer a, a guess? Ronald Jones, USC legend. He's actually Ronald Jones the second, and that's all I know from his Wikipedia yeah, page. I, not that I have it up. I'm gonna guess there's 32 teams in the NFL. I could it could be any of them. Let's go. Um, I'm not gonna say state of Florida. Let's, you are correct. Oh, it is not state the of, state of Florida. It's not the state of Florida. So not the state of Florida. So I'm I got 49 options. No, but you've reduced three teams. You yes. have 29 teams to pick from now. I would say Ronald Jones feels like a guy that Bill Belichick has taken a shot on. Good guess, but not Dallas, right. Dallas it is the Dallas Cowboys. That was going to be my next guess. Man. PED suspension, two games. Wait, That's I, thought, I thought it was a four game usually for that. Says two. What the no, press no, no, release no. says. He's only taking half a dose. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Dustin, I'm going to go right to it because you brought it up here. So, dead or alive here. You are all in on the Texas Metroplex Arlington Rangers now. Yeah, you know, it, it's a, they're 8-1 to to win the World Series. And it's a team that when we previewed the season, I was very high on. I thought they had the makings and I liked all the pieces they brought in. I thought they had a ton of starting pitching depth. Uh, we all agreed, Amal, Patrick, and myself, that we liked the foundation that they were putting together. And all they've done all year is prove me right. I bet them 550 to win the division in, I believe, early May. And I really regretted when I, I did a tally of, like, all my futures that I did not have a ticket on them to win the World Series. I'm jumping in late. I'm not getting the best number. But I do believe they're absolutely locked and loaded for a World Series-type run. So is the ticket I just purchased dead or alive? The Texas Rangers at eight to one. Very much alive. I think this team has got a great shot. We see Tampa's taking the second uh, seat in the American League East. They had, or were they tied for the worst record in baseball in July? They were absolutely terrible. I think they were seven and 16 them in the month. Um, good opportunity with the Rangers here. They did have a bit of a hiccup, but they got to Framber Valdez in that series in Houston. Love this offense with Seager and uh, Marcus Simeon at the top. This is a dangerous team, guys. I think when you look right now, there's an argument to be made for anyone in the American League, whether it's the Astros, the Rangers, um, uh, you know, Baltimore, Tampa. This is a wide open. Even the Toronto Blue Jays are very much alive. 
I, so here's the thing, Dustin. I don't love the number that you got. You got on. No, it. I hate it because I, I like. You, I tried. You, I thought about jumping in beginning to. They're like thirty-five, forty to one. I thought about it at one point. They're like eighteen to one. But I'm going to regret having liked the team so much and not having a ticket on them for the World Series. So here's what I'll say: If Jacob Degrom was healthy, which is probably a question we're going to say for the rest of time now. And we have been saying for the last few years, I would say, yeah, I think you're you're live because now you have three guys at the front of that rotation. Even though Scherzer's not the same guy, Ivaldi. I mean, look, he's, he's on the IL right uh, now. If, if he comes back healthy yeah. and looks like eighty percent of the duty was before he went on the IL, you have three legit top line guys. But because Degrom, we're not going to see him again until next year. Ivaldi, who knows? Because obviously he's had plenty of injury problems over his career. And Scherzer's just not Scherzer anymore. He's just not. And my concern, too, is, I mean, they're, they're the only game in ahead of Houston right now. Okay, but can I can I sell you on the fact that Max Scherzer out of New York might be a different pitcher? I'm not so certain about that. I don't think that was Scherzer's inability to handle New York. I think that just that Scherzer's not the same guy well, anymore. More, more that the uh, the margins were so narrow for a starting pitcher with an inconsistent offense. He's now getting that run support potentially in Texas. Sure. The ball may fly out more. I think there's a chance we could see a better Max Scherzer down the stretch than we saw with the Mets this season. That's my concern. And look, it's not like it's the old place where the, the ball flew like crazy at the old place. This is a little more pitcher, pitcher friendly now uh, at this version of Globe Life. But, again, I just don't think Scherzer's that same guy anymore. Now, we'll say this, as we've said on this show plenty, the American League is so stupidly wide open that if you get the one seed here, or actually, in all honesty, if you get the two seed, which is probably a better draw than the one, because the two seed, if the AL Central winner accidentally beats the six, you got a dynamite draw to get to the ALCS. You got a real shot to make the World Series, and then, you, obviously, your bet is just one thing away from getting home. Look, to me right now, you mentioned about Scherzer. Normally I'd be excited about the acquisition for the Rangers. I'm as I'm not as enamored as you are, Dustin. I tend to agree with Jeff. It just doesn't feel like he's the same pitcher. But I think you do bring up a good point, which is with this offense, there's not as much pressure to be as effective. You can get through the games. And it's a different dynamic when you feel like you're pressuring, you're being uh, you're pitching with tremendous pressure in the sense that, hey, if there's a runner on second base, I give up this run. Now we're down 2-1. to one. Are we going to be able to come back? This team offensively, for my money, I don't know where you guys come out. I feel like they're the second-best offense in baseball. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I'd also Sounds say, right. I, I'd say for Scherzer, this is what he does. He's a bulldog. He wants these moments. He wants to pitch when these games matter. And I do think there was a chance there with the Mets. Not that he wasn't trying. It's more that, like, you can be susceptible to some lapses at times because the 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 moments aren't quite as big. That whole tenure in New York ended up being such a bust. Worse, what, a, what a shame. Worse in division addition by the Mets. Tom Glavin or Max Scherzer? It's got to be Scherzer because no, Glavin. Because, no, Glavin pitched really well in the 06 postseason. It's just that we all remember the one train wreck on the final day of the 07 season. He's a gutless wonder for that game. See, I, I knew I knew that was going to – He is the most the, gutless of the, all the wonders. The, you know, the stupidest part of that whole thing is Ramon Castro's ball at another five feet of carry. That was a 7-5 game after one, and the Mets win that game still. But you are right. That was a train wreck all the way around. Game 162 versus Miami. You win and you're in. What do you give up? Seven earned? Seven. Didn't get out of the first. Yeah. Two-thirds of an inning or something like that? Or third? I think he got one out. One out. I was there the last day in 08. That was equally as terrible also. See? That's not bad. I don't think I'd get anybody out. That was not a Hall of Fame pitcher of all. Scherzer was worse. Because Scherzer was genuinely awful in the playoff game last year, too. Yeah, but I I don't think the team was better in 07. Maybe. Right in his prime, yeah. Delgado I mean, oh, I Reyes. Mean, I, I mean, 08, they had a clear path to at least get to the NLCS against the Phillies. That would have been the most heartbreaking seven-game series loss in the history of our lives, Dustin. So, regardless. All uh, right, next I, dead or alive ticket. Let's stay in the AL West. Okay. This so, is where I was going to go. I've seen them 20-1 to 1 at some books. And the then over at DraftKings, they are 75-1 to 1 after the moves the Angels have made. 
Is that ticket dead or alive? And is this to win the pennant or to win it all now? To win it all. Dead. I go dead. They don't have the pitching. I don't think I agree. they can get there. Yeah. That's why me seeing them at 75 to 1 at one book and 20 to 1 at another shocked me. No, I don't I don't get it at all. And again, we talked about it earlier in the show. The buying is solely because Moreno doesn't want to trade Otani. And again, I'm in I'm in the opposite camp of some people on the Otani thing where yeah. I know Amal, you got on me for this, I guess it was two weeks ago now, where I only think the Angels can retain Otani if they're the incumbent team. That's the only way that they can get him to sign another contract I, is if he is still there. If he if he is dealt, he ain't coming back. He'd never wear an Angel red again. Maybe, but look, I, I still think he's going to wind up with the New York Mets. Well, he's going to come back to a franchise next year that has less pieces to add more pieces around him because they traded them for this run so that they could hold on to him to potentially pitch him to stay with them. It doesn't make much sense. You just sense. tied yourself in knots. And then Artie Moreno, who could have sold the team a year ago, is going to have to sell the team for less if he chooses to do so because they won't have Otani and they won't have all the prospects they traded for Crone and Grichuk it, and Giolito and whoever else they add here. Is it fair to say that he just kept the team because he was so aggravated that the fans were thrilled that he was about to sell the team? He kept the team because he's making more money right now at the gate. Yeah, mostly they're selling out, close to sellouts most night. Once every five games, congrats. Oh, come on. Come on, Amal. 60, three out of five. Come on. Give them 60%, right? Three out of five, you think they're selling out? No, I'm saying close to sellouts. I'm not even giving them the full sellout. Come on now. When we get back, Jensen Lewis. Former Major League pitcher now of Sirius XM MLB Radio joins us next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, And I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 